host has spent decades studying the Bible in the original languages. He holds degrees from the University of Wisconsin, Moody Bible Institute, Asbury Theological Seminary, and Bethel Theological Seminary. With the help of some of his friends, in 1994, Dr. Rako founded a national volunteer ministry to hunters. He is an author, dog trainer, and speaker. Tom served as a full-time pastor for 36 years. Now here is your host, Dr. Tom Rako. Did you know that the truth about hunting has not always been told? Welcome to the Rock Dove Publications Quill. During today's program, we'll be looking at some misconceptions regarding hunting and hunting practices. Dr. Mercy Sharp will also be sharing about some unseen potential from my book, Devotions for Dog Lovers. I hope you enjoy today's program. Unseen Potential Scripture Reading 1 Corinthians 1 26-31 Not long ago, we had a big batch of English Pointer pups. However, one of the pups which was overlooked and passed up by some rather sophisticated buyers, and also by me, has now started to show incredible potential. Not only has this young male began to excel in the basics, but perhaps most importantly, this particular dog carries a deep desire to please his master. This little canine reminds me of a young lad named David. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord called Samuel the prophet to anoint a new king for the nation Israel. Now initially, it would appear that David was not even in the running to become the next ruler. In fact, Samuel, who was a very spiritual person, saw David's older brother and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. 1 Samuel 16, 6b Nevertheless, the Lord intervened and stopped Samuel by saying, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16.7 In addition, we know that all seven of David's brothers were first paraded past the prophet. Eventually, young David was brought in from tending the sheep and received God's stamp of approval. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. 1 Samuel 16.12 David was classified as one who wanted to please his master. Yes, a man after God's own heart. Perhaps today you doubt that God would ever choose you to accomplish something wonderful in your life. When we look in the Bible, we find that God used all kinds of unlikely or often overlooked people. For example, God chose aging Abram and a barren Sarai to start a nation, Genesis 12. He picked a murderer named Moses to lead his chosen people. An orphan by the name of Esther would not only redirect the course of human history for the Jewish people, 
but as queen, she would influence the known world of that day. Paul, previously known as Saul, who had been a persecutor of the church, eventually proclaimed Christ to all who would listen. Yes, God selects simple fishermen, tax collectors, and women with sordid past to accomplish his purposes. Yes, he may even pick you and me. Prayer Lord, thank you for choosing and using unlikely people. Use me for your glory. Help me to see others the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can learn more about the book that tells this true story and others. For example, find out how dogs in Bible times were used to fulfill specific prophecies. Discover how some dogs with disabilities did some amazing things. Hear how a dog collected money for orphans. Learn about the first canine to be launched into outer space. Gain insight as to how God is using dogs in our world today, and much more. To order your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, go to the Rock Dove Publications website at www.rockdove.com. Again, to get your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, visit rockdove.com. Unfortunately, the truth about hunting has not always been told. Some who profess to be Christians and claim to be presenting a biblical perspective with regard to hunting have greatly missed the mark. Sadly, such misdirected teaching on this topic has not only placed a huge stumbling block before millions of hunters for whom Christ has died, but has also helped fuel animal rights activists who openly espouse and promote anti-scriptural views. For example, in his book, How to Rescue the Earth Without Worshipping Nature, popular speaker and author Dr. Tony Campolo attempted to deal with the issue of hunting. To his credit, Dr. Campolo does accurately state, quote, The Bible warns against those who would make vegetarianism some kind of religious law or requisite for spirituality, unquote. Nevertheless, for all practical purposes, Campolo passionately opposes hunting, and in particular the idea of, quote, sport hunting, which, by the way, he either conveniently or absentmindedly never clearly defines. He states, quote, I have heard the case for hunting. I have listened to the explanations of how it fosters male bonding and builds great relationships between father and son. But as I listen, I am always asking myself whether it ever occurs to these defenders of a sport based on killing that there might be a more humane way of gaining these kinds of blessings. I have to ask myself whether hunters ever consider what might be happening to themselves and their sons in the context of making a sport of tracking down animals and then killing them. Do they ever ask, is this what Jesus would do? Unquote. Dr. Campolo claims to be interested in presenting a biblical perspective on hunting. Nevertheless, he leans heavily upon emotional arguments and fails to quite miserably reference obvious passages crucial to the issue. In his book, he does not mention specific verses of the Bible which directly pertain to hunting. 
These are passages which even an amateur student of the Bible would certainly have discovered by merely flipping open a strong exhaustive concordance of the Bible or a similar type of basic reference tool for studying the scriptures. Although it is bothersome to me that Campolo fails to recognize the growing number of female hunters, the bigger issue is his failure to acknowledge the existence of pertinent Bible passages. I find it interesting that in his biblical discussion of hunting, Campolo never included a divinely inspired hunting regulation found in the book of Leviticus. In this particularly relevant text, the treatment of game that had been harvested while hunting was spelled out. The Bible states in Leviticus 17, verses 13 and 14, Any Israelite or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth, because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. According to this passage, hunting was not only practiced, but hunting and the treatment of blood from the game which was harvested by the Hebrews, as well as others who might be living in the land, was to be esteemed both a sacred and serious act. This early hunting ritual reveals a profound and unique reverence for life held in Old Testament times. Furthermore, I personally can't help but wonder how Dr. Campolo could do a serious study of what the Bible has to say about hunting, yet failed to mention a list containing wild game animals which God designated as being permissible for food. In the 14th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, we read, These are the animals you may eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Now, apparently, some of these animals listed are domesticated animals, but others must most certainly be classified as being wild. In addition, earlier in the same book of Deuteronomy, we discover that the people of Israel were given a certain privilege with regard to slaughtering of animals for food. Here the Hebrews were told, Nevertheless, you may slaughter your animals in any of your towns and eat as much of the meat as you want, as if it were gazelle or deer, according to the blessing the Lord God gives you. Both the ceremonially unclean and the clean may eat it. Deuteronomy 12, verse 15. Not only were some forms of hunting taking place and were considered to be an acceptable practice, but the harvesting of certain wild game was even used to help clarify what the Lord was communicating regarding the slaughter and use of domesticated livestock. Sadly, Tony Campolo never touches on these and other texts in his book. Now, I don't pretend to know why this popular speaker didn't deal with these hunting passages. He certainly quotes from the Old Testament in order to support his anti-hunting stance. Therefore, it seems quite doubtful that he would have viewed such hunting passages as irrelevant or non-applicable. I wonder whether such oversights were due to an ignorance of such pertinent passages, or whether he purposely left them out because they didn't fit with his preconceived notions. Whichever the case, it seems apparent to me that he failed to accurately represent what the Bible really has to say about hunting. You see, harvesting animals is biblical. 
The fact is, as has been shown by such as those we've mentioned, these passages pertaining to lists of game that could be harvested and dealing with the blood of an animal that's been harvested, Dr. Campolo and others like him frequently argue that hunting causes animals unnecessary suffering. Again in his book, How to Rescue the Earth Without Worshipping Nature, Tony Campolo states, quote, In dealing with the unnecessary and unwanted suffering of animals, it is important to once again pick up our discussion of hunting. Every year, tens of thousands of wounded deer limp off into the woods to suffer and die. Every year, there are significant numbers of animals whose lives end in great pain, unquote. Now, it is certainly a morally warped person who relishes the thought of an animal suffering. Yet, as much as we may shudder at the thought of an animal or bird experiencing unnecessary pain, it seems logical to assume that at least a few animals and birds hunted in Bible times also suffered. Some were likely wounded and never recovered. This is especially so when we consider some of the crude weapons that were used. Rather than the modern razor-sharp stainless steel broadheads now used by most bow hunters, archers in those days often relied upon arrowheads formed from bone, stone, and later bronze or crude forms of iron. But regardless of how often a wounding may or may not have transpired during the days when the Bible was being written, the Lord clearly made provisions for humans to hunt animals. According to the Bible, the first legitimate harvesting of animals by humans in this imperfect world in which we live can be traced back to the days following the flood. Indeed, the Lord told Noah and his sons, Everything that lives and moves will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Genesis 9.3 The fact is, the harvesting of animals was actually God's idea. It is interesting how many who are opposed to hunting or who advocate a strict form of vegetarianism will often quote from Genesis 1.29, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. But these same individuals frequently, and I fear sometimes purposely, fail to reference Genesis 9.3, where the Lord expanded the menu of food permissible for humans to include everything that lives and moves. Admittedly, prior to the fall, it would seem that the entire animal world was also vegetarian. Genesis 1-3 tells us, And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Nevertheless, today, all one has to do is take a look at nature and it becomes overwhelmingly apparent that many of the animals, birds, fish, and insects that run, fly, swim, and crawl on this planet are consuming more than fruits and grass. Things have radically changed since the beginning of creation. The animals that inhabit this planet and the birds of prey which cut their course across the sky have a different diet than what they possessed prior to the fall. Unfortunately, there are times when, despite the best intentions of even the most skillful hunter, an animal can be wounded and as a result suffer. Although not all hunters are as conscientious as they should be, most that I know go to great ends to not wound game unnecessarily. It seems quite logical to assume that a similar attitude prevailed in Bible times. 
This is especially so when it comes to wild game, which was being hunted for food. A person trying to harvest an animal or bird in order to feed their family normally wouldn't want to lose a potential lunch. It's important to note that research in recent years, such as an in-depth study conducted at Camp Ripley, Minnesota, has shown that with modern bow hunting, the actual wounding rates are not nearly as extensive as many anti-hunters have attempted to persuade the general public. In fact, they are only a fraction of what certain dishonest anti-hunters have tried to tout as truth. Indeed, I am always amazed when an animal rights activist pulls unsubstantiated and undocumented loss or wounding rates out of thin air or talks about tens of thousands of wounded deer. They frequently do this, but are rarely, if ever, pressed to actually substantiate such claims. Their arguments are seldom based on any kind of objective or reliable research. Yet animal rights activists will regularly make bold statements like, it is a scientifically proven fact, in order to convince listeners that the views they are espousing are entirely trustworthy. Certainly some deer are wounded and suffer, and this should sadden anyone who cares about what God has created. However, frequently animal rights activists pretend to speak with great authority regarding widespread atrocities and abuses that take place in the hunting field. Perhaps most importantly, they do this even though the vast majority of these activists have invested virtually no time during the hunting season in the forests and fields about which they claim to be all-knowing. On the other hand, most of us who have spent literally decades of seasons in the woods, either scouting for sign or actually hunting game, seldom witness a shadow of what many animal rights activists want others to believe as normal. I know I've not observed the same degree of abuses that many anti-hunting proponents claim to witness on a regular basis. I was once a poacher and regular breaker of hunting regulations before coming to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior at the age of 21. And although I've been hunting for over five decades, I've never, neither prior to my conversion nor after, seen the degree of widespread abuse which some leaders in the animal rights movement speak. Now, certainly there are problems and abuses and their suffering. Of course, such abuses should be and need to be stopped. Nevertheless, animal rights activists must not be allowed to get away with presenting their unfounded and often clearly false or intentionally fabricated claims as if they were pure gospel truth. Non-hunters and hunters alike should begin to ask activists, when did this abuse take place? Where did it take place? Who saw this abuse? What did you personally do about the abuse? Does the abuse that was witnessed accurately reflect the practices of the millions of other hunters who regularly take to the field? Or is this some form of convenient sensationalism for the sake of an animal rights group's agenda? And uh, when we come back, we'll have some concluding remarks. What does the Bible have to say about hunting? In Hunting in the Bible, a scripture safari by Dr. Tom Rako. Find out how people hunted in Bible times. Learn about the existence of ancient hunting lists. Acquire a knowledge of the scriptures with regards to God's concern for both animals and birds. 
discover specific hunting regulations found in the Old Testament, gain insight into what the scriptures have to say concerning modern-day hunting practices, and much more. This book will help you to become an expert in knowing what the Bible has to say about hunting. To order your copy of Hunting in the Bible, a scripture safari, go to the RockDove Publications website, rockdove.com. Visit rockdove.com today. Well, we saw that the truth about hunting has not always been told. There are biblical passages that talk about hunting and reveal that hunting was an acceptable practice in Bible times, and the principles carry over till this day. Next time, we'll see that animals that are not hunted by humans suffer. All we have to do is look at the bloody highways. We think about limited habitat. And the fact that nature is not always nice. There are diseases. There are animals that eat other animals, and sometimes uh, in a very brutal fashion. But uh, we're so glad you joined us. We hope that you'll join us again next time. been listening to the Rock Dove Publications podcast with your host, Dr. Tom Ranko. This program has also been brought to you by the Quilted Arrow, home of intelligent, stylish, field-bred English pointers with bloodline streams from Hall of Fame champion Guardrail. Thank you so much for listening. Now this is Beth Ranko inviting you to join us again next time on the Rock Dove Publications podcast. <music>